0: Welcome to Mrs. G's Storytime. We are reading the book, Betsy Timboom, Promise of God, by Mike Evans, with permission of Time Worthy Books, and we are on Chapter 34. Not long after the secret room was finished, a truck stopped in front of the shop and four German SS soldiers climbed out. Meyer Moser was on the second floor with me, and as soon as we saw the truck, I sent him to warn the others. While he moved quickly up the steps towards the third floor, I remained on the second floor and stood near the kitchen doorway. From there, I could listen to what was happening in the shop below and be ready to delay anyone who might try to search the upper floors of the house. Hopefully, that would give Meyer and everyone else plenty of time to hide. As the soldiers entered the shop, one of them took a position near the door from which he could see up the stairs and out the front window. Another stood near the bottom of the steps, not far from Corey's desk, and a third moved to a position further inside, from which he could watch the back door. The fourth man, who seemed to be in charge, looked over at Papa. We have heard rumors, he began, of people coming and going from here at all hours of the day. Yet I do not see any watches on display in your cases. As to the people coming and going, Papa replied, as he had many times before, this is a shop." I hope for all our sakes, people are coming and going. The more, the better. And as to the lack of watches, I'd be glad to order more if your supervisors would assure me that my deliveries would arrive from Switzerland. You make a valid point, the soldier said. But just the same, we should have a look around in your house to make sure everything is in order. Then perhaps we'll see about those orders of new stocks for your display case. He turned to the staircase and started at the steps. "'but I noticed the soldiers who were with him did not follow. "'If this was to be a serious search, "'one man would never attempt it alone. "'When I heard him coming towards me, "'I moved to the head of the staircase "'and greeted him with a friendly smile. "'Would you care for some tea?' I asked in my best German. "'Certainly,' he replied, "'tea would be lovely.' "'It was much too casual a comment for a soldier, "'but I didn't argue. "'I backed away from the hall,' "'Move quickly to the stove and reach for the kettle. "'The water was already hot and I poured it into the teapot. "'To my amazement, the soldier took a seat at the table "'and waited while I brought him a cup. "'Would you care for a slice of bread to go with it?' "'I was glad for the delay and certain the others "'were safely inside the secret room by now. "'It came fresh from the bakery this morning. "'Bread would be delicious,' he answered. "'But while I sliced the loaf and took out the butter,' He rose from his chair and stood beside me, close enough that his shoulder rubbed against mine. I was concerned about what might happen next. We've heard numerous rumors of women being assaulted by soldiers in situations just like this. But I took a deep breath and forced myself to keep quiet. Then he leaned closer and said in a whisper, My men and I are members of the SS. We were selected for our unit because we have displayed unwavering, "'loyalty to the German nation. "'We are proud to serve our country "'and are honored to be assigned "'the most difficult task. "'I am certain for a German "'that must be a high honor,' I said, "'not knowing exactly what to say "'but feeling compelled to say something. "'We soldiers must follow orders, "'but we do not like many of the things "'we have seen happening, "'especially to the Jews. "'Sometimes we find ways to avoid the worst of it, "'but other times that's not possible.' We've done many terrible things. Now they have assigned us the worst task of all. The veins in my neck throbbed as my heart rate quickened. My palms were clammy, and I was certain they meant to kill everyone in the house, but he kept talking. There are Jewish babies in the orphanage in Hofthof. We've been ordered to travel there by truck, take the babies from the orphanage, and kill them. We don't want to do it. Can you help us? Waves of emotion swept over me, relief that he apparently menaced no harm, horror at the thought of what he'd been ordered to do, and fear again that this was all a trap. How much time do we have? I sounded far too eager, but it was the only thing I could think to say. We're on our way there now. Can you help us? German soldiers had proven themselves artfully deceptive. If they knew what we were doing to assist the Jews, a trap like this would be something they might try. But with the lives of children hanging in the balance, I felt compelled to act. I closed my eyes for a moment to pray, hoping for a word about what I should do. In that instant, standing at the counter with a member of the German SS next to me, an image from that oft repeated dream flashed through my mind. The large house with lush gardens all around and flower beds filled with tulips in full bloom. I took it as a sign from God and smiled at the soldier. Yes, I can help you. Who could refuse an opportunity to help the children? Good, the soldier nodded. What shall we do? Bring your men and come with me. He moved to the top of the staircase and called down for the others. They made their ways quickly up the steps and then followed me into the parlor. "'Stay here and wait,' I said, pointing to the chairs. "'I'll be back in a few minutes.' "'While they waited in the parlor, I ran down the stairs and used the phone to call Hendrick. "'Using our coded language, I told him I had four deliveries, "'but they were going in different directions, and all of them were for immediate delivery, "'which meant I needed four couriers right away. Twenty minutes later, Hendrick arrived at the house with three of our teenagers.' I gathered them together near the back staircase and told them the soldier's story. This is an incredible opportunity. I said when I was through, we cannot ignore it. Hendrick was suspicious. I think it's a trap. Maybe so, I nodded. But when I prayed about it, it felt confirmed in my spirit that we should do this. These are children. The future of a generation This is an opportunity we dare not avoid merely because we fear for our own safety. Hendrick thought for a moment and then glanced around at the others. You three should have a say in this too. It's not just my decision to make. I'm in, the first one replied eagerly. Me too, the next added. Can't let them go without me, the third one struck nervously. What do we do? That's why I wanted the four of you, I explained. There are four of them. You will wear their uniforms, go to the orphanage, and get the babies. Hendrick's eyes opened wide in disbelief. That's it? That's it, I said with a smile. That's the whole plan, someone asked? The whole plan, I responded. Anything more than that, and it gets too complicated. Put on the German uniforms, go to the orphanage, get the children. Hendrick had a telling look. If they find out what we're doing, we'll be shot on the spot. Yes, I conceded, but if you succeed, many will survive because of it, and people will talk about you for centuries to come. Others seemed to like the idea, and Hendrick asked, What do we do with the babies after we get them from the orphanage? Take them to William. Leave them there and come right back here. No stops along the way. No shooting or blowing up things. Just come right. No shooting, one of them interrupted. We're taking guns? you're taking their guns. No way, he said, shaking his head vigorously. They'll have us in front of a firing squad by sundown. It's the only way, I insisted. You won't look authentic without their weapons. When do we do this, Hendrick asked, ignoring the obvious skepticism growing among the others. Now, I replied, without further discussion, I led them upstairs. I placed Hendrick and the others in my room, and they went down to the parlor. Okay, I said to the German soldiers as I entered the room, take off your uniforms. They gave me an amused grin, but without a word of protest or a hint of hesitation. I waited in the hall while they tossed out their clothes, then carried the uniforms up to my bedroom where I repeated the same process with Hendrik. While Hendrik and others dressed as soldiers, I brought their civilian clothes down to the Germans and casually added, I'll need your weapons too. The one who's been doing the talking shook his head, We can't give you our weapons. Why not? Well, for one thing, it's against the law for Germans to arm anyone in the occupied territories. And besides that, no soldier would ever give up his weapon, except as an act of surrender. He was correct, of course, but I was certain this plan would fail unless these men were armed. So I looked him in the eye and quietly said, Then you'll just have to trust me to give them back. His forehead wrinkled in a puzzled look. What will you do with them? "'Give them to the men who are going in your place.' His eyes twinkled with amusement. "'You want us to clothe a patrol of Dutch volunteers in German uniforms "'and arm them with German weapons?' "'It's the only way,' I shrugged. "'There has to be another,' he argued. "'Look, I was unwilling to let the opportunity slip away. "'You trusted me enough to tell me about this, "'and I've trusted you not to shoot my family or take us all to jail. "'Now trust me for this solution.' I have four men who will take your place for this assignment. But in order to be successful, they must look like German SS soldiers. And as you so eloquently admitted, no German SS soldier would travel without his weapon. With a heavy sigh, he handed me his rifle and nodded to the others. They gave me theirs too, and I lugged them to my bedroom. Ten minutes later, in what might have been the strangest sight of the occupation... Hendrick and three of our young men, wearing German Army uniforms and carrying German Army rifles, climbed into a German Army truck and drove away on one of the most incredible missions of the war. I prayed that they would be successful. Late in the afternoon, Hendrik and the others returned with the truck. I heard a commotion downstairs as they arrived and went to the top of the stairs to see. Hendrick and the three teenagers, still dressed as German SS soldiers, were inside the shop. A woman who had come as a customer was frightened by their sudden appearance and rushed to get out of the way. Hendrick played the part to the hilt, angrily shouting in German for her to get out. And when she was gone, the door was shut. And Hendrick burst out laughing. I rushed down the stairs to quiet him. No, 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 I said angrily. This is not a joking matter. You can't do this. We were only having fun," he chuckled. You were being reckless, I said, scolding him all. Now get upstairs and get those uniforms off before someone reports you. With their shoulders sagging, Hendrick and the others trudged up the steps. As they did, Hendrick tried to tell me about the venture, but I cut him off. Did you get the babies? Yes. Did you take them to Villian? Yes. And you left them there? Yes. But never mind the rest right now, I said, cutting them off once more. Get to my room and get those uniforms off. I'll wait in the hall while you toss them out. A few minutes later, I carried the uniforms back to the soldiers in the parlor and retrieved from them the clothes they had been wearing and took them back to Hendrick and the others. Wait in here, I said as I tossed the clothes through the doorway. I'll come get you once the soldiers are gone. And I picked up the weapons, carried them back to the soldiers in the parlor. By then, the soldiers were dressed and anxious to leave. I gave them back their weapons, and as they turned to leave, the leader asked finally, Were your men successful? Yes, I said proudly, very much so. The soldiers appeared genuinely relieved. Thank you for saving us from that mission. Thank you for giving it to us. You're very welcome, though I'm not sure how I will report this when we return. Tell them the mission was completed and the babies are gone, I suggested. All babies are gone, he grinned. I'll put them off like that. All babies are gone. Then in a nervous gesture, he took my hand, kissed it lightly, and stepped from the room. When the soldiers were gone, I went upstairs and rapped on the door to the secret room to let those inside know that they could come out. What's happened? Meyer gasped as he crawled through the tiny space. Why were we in there so long? I can't tell you, I replied, other than to say that everything is okay now. While they filed downstairs, I caught hold of Hendrick's arm and gestured for him to wait. "'Sorry about what happened downstairs,' he said sheepishly. "'That's okay. I was just worried that the soldiers would hear you and rush out to see what was happening. I didn't want the whole thing to unravel. I realized that,' he nodded. "'I should have paid more attention.' He tried to tell me what happened at the orphanage. Did it go well? His face lit up with excitement. "'There were almost a hundred babies,' My mouth fell open and my eyes were wide with amazement. A hundred? Just then the telephone rang downstairs and a moment later Corey came upstairs. That was William. He says the clock in the hall has stopped working. It's too large to transport and he needs to fix immediately. I'm going out to see what he wants. A broad grin spread across my face. I can tell you what he wants, I beamed. What? Our fine young men rescued about a hundred babies from the orphanage. They are now at Williams. Her eyes opened wide. Then I must go at once. Late that night, long after the curfew hour, Corrie returned to the bayeet looking tired from peddling the bicycle. But she came alive with excitement as she talked about what she'd seen. Eighty-six babies, she said in a rush. I don't know how they did it, but they rescued eighty-six babies. Hearing her talk made what we'd done sound even more incredible. But that was a lot to drop on someone unannounced as we had deposited them on William. How are Teen and William? They're overwhelmed. Glad the children are safe for now, but overwhelmed. We have to get those babies out of there. Yes, Corey nodded. We must. Besides being overwhelmed, William and Teen faced a serious risk that someone will report them. We talked about other ways to place the babies with families, but after the response we'd received from Carol, neither of us saw that it was a viable option. Corey suggested Herman Slurry might help. He has many more contacts than we do, she offered, and his people are already familiar with our work. But I was suspicious of Slurry, in spite of having known him almost my entire life and in spite of Papa's endorsement. I was suspicious of anyone who had fresh tea and real sugar during the occupation, and my mind could not stop imagining what he must have done to secure a ready supply, though I never turned down any that Corey brought home, which is why I said nothing to her at the time. As we talked, I remembered Johan Andersen, a priest at Peter's church, the Wilhelm, and his comment to me as we were leaving that day, These are trying times. We must all find the courage of our convictions. That stuck with me, and I thought of it again while we struggled over what to do with the babies. Finally, I brought it up. I think Father Anderson might help. Anderson? Corey had a questioning look. From Peter's church? Yes. We've had no contact with him since that day we attended Peter's first service. But he has used his position in the church to visit Peter in prison, I counted, which is something none of the rest of us have been able to do. "'I don't know,' Corey mused. "'We need to get this resolved quickly. "'Herman Slurring's friends could solve this problem without delay. "'I'll go see Slurring in the morning.' "'No,' I said, taking advantage of my prerogative as the older sister. "'I'll see Anderson in the afternoon. "'You've done all the going. "'The trolley goes out to the church. "'I can at least do that much. "'I don't mind the bicycle. "'It's rather relaxing, actually. "'Let me see what Anderson says.' I don't think talking to him will add any harm. And if he can't help, then you can talk to Slurring. That's the end of chapter 34 and 35. We'll find out if she talks to, to who's, who they talk to and who they get to hide these babies. Praise God that they did that and amen. As, as, uh, Corey would say, uh, but they joy. Hallelujah. But they joy. Well, I love you. I'm praying for you and bye bye for now.